strikes up the year. Big chance, Barisha! He's done it again! And it's a goal! Unbelievable! What about this? Dylan Barrios, his first touch of the game. Sanchez! Western United do claim the three points. And Diamante again! Oh, he's done it! Twice! He's chipped a keeper! Presented by Simmons. It's the Green Room on FNR. Football Nation Radio. Oh, I don't know if the local news agency next to the hangar uh, stocks such gift cards, but I think there should be some sort of gesture made towards Nikolai Topol-Stanley by his, by his teammates uh, this weekend because that is a major, major milestone to hit. 359 A-League games the longest-serving A-League player of all time, breaking the record of another Western United great, Andrew Durante. We're here to celebrate that here on the return of the Green Room on FNR Football Nation Radio. I'm Josh Parrish. I've got Lockie Flanagan with me, as always. How are you, Lockie? I'm excellent. I mean, it's great to have the show back. I obviously spent the uh, last two weeks kicking my feet up, and no, I didn't do that. I went to every single A-League mm. men's, uh, A-League women's and NPL fixture <laughs> that I could get my hands on, including Western United's game, uh, against Melbourne Victory last week. And if they could stop scheduling games on Wednesday nights when the green room's supposed to be on, that would be great. But uh, unfortunately, this is the situation that the league is in. So it's just football, football, football all the time. Look, I'm either talking about Western United here or I'm at the midweek Wednesday fixture. Mm. So I'm, 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 I'm okay either way. I'm sure, that, I'm sure the fans are as well. But uh, if they are looking for a, a gift card, luckily I do actually in South Yarra have around the corner a 359th game gift card shop exclusively. Oh, okay. So good, good. good. Uh, yeah, I invested big on that one and glad to see that it's finally paying off. That is a that is a massive relief. It's like when you have a very specific birthday for someone, you have to like cross out the 60 and make it a 68. Well, the, the or... business was initially formed around uh, mm. Andrew Duranto breaking the game's record. So mm. that a lot of the cards are scribbled over and I've changed <laughs> the last number. But um, NTS, Western United, I'm, I'm happy to um, fulfill any, any order demands uh, that you need. What a legend of the league. He's going to be joining us a little bit later on, but there's been uh, a pretty uh, exciting bit of breaking news in Western United Excellent land over point. the last week. So we better address that first. That's the regional football facility in Tarnit, which has turned soil. So to tell us more about that, we've got the GM of Football Operations, Mal Impiombato, standing by on the Zoom call. Mal, thanks for making the time. Thanks, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's our pleasure, mate. Uh, major announcement during the week. We saw the uh, the posing with the shovel and so forth. Members of local council, the chairman of the club there. Uh, very excited faces all around. Tell us just how significant is this announcement? As Mal freezes on the Zoom call uh, in an inopportune moment. There he is. The real He's master, back. Master, is he back? master of suspense. <laughs> such a big, waiting. We'll have such to have a a big announcement that I just hold that, hold that pause. <laughs> have we got you, Mal? Yeah, I can hear you clearly, actually. All right, lovely. Uh, just how significant an announcement is this for the club? Yeah, quite a significant announcement for the club. Obviously, it's a big part of the project of uh, the Western Melbourne group. And to be able to obviously turn soil, it's been a fantastic milestone for the football club. Um, I guess a long journey that's been stunted by, I guess, a pandemic in the in the short term. Um, so obviously there's not many clubs that have started during a pandemic, let me tell you that. So it's been a, uh, a significant challenge, but at the, at the same time, I guess a great reward for the football club and all the hard work that our chairman, our board, our CEO and, and Chris Frangos, who's been leading the facilities project, um, to be able to get this underway with the, the, the City of Wyndham and the Wyndham City Council is a fantastic 
uh, outcome for our football club. Yeah, well, it is, as you said, um, a product of massive work from a lot of important people and <laughs> having dealt with a lot of uh, huge challenges as well. Now, Josh and I have read the release and, and studied the tape and injected all the uh, information about the latest updates on the um, on the stadium into our veins and the area around it. But for those of the Western United fans who might have missed what's come out of the club and all those specific details, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what kind of facilities and, and amenities we can expect to see in this this opening phase? Yeah, it's a, it's a facility that's going to cater for up to 5,000 spectators as a starting point, which is, I guess, um, a great starting point for us as a club to call home. I think that's probably something that we've been screaming out for in the first three years of our existence is an opportunity to have a facility in our heartland and in our, in, our, in our catchment area that we can call home. And this provides us with that opportunity. So um, the facility in itself will have three pitches, of which two will be grass pitches. Uh, one will be a synthetic uh, and allows us to obviously have the facilities and amenities to host matches in, in potentially um, what is hopefully our, our W League and A League women's side, um, our FFA Cup matches, our MPL matches, as well as the opportunity to build, I guess, on top of or add infrastructure to potentially house um, A-League men's matches as well. So um, the facilities and infrastructure underneath the, the main stadium allows for change rooms and, and facilities and amenities to cater for both matches and also training for boys and girls, men's and women. So it gives us a, a chance to provide, I guess, an opportunity for every boy and every girl in the West to have a, have a home uh, where they can play their football in our heartland and uh, an opportunity for us to actually call a place home for the first time in, in the first three seasons, which is um, something that we've certainly been looking forward to. Well, Mal, you absolutely hit it on the head there, really, because that's exactly what I was going to ask you about, the, the potential to have at that new um, grandstand and the, the area surrounding the chance to have the academy, the uh, the women's setup, mm. and the senior side potentially playing games there. As you know, someone in your role as, as the, the sort of GM of, of football you know, you're focusing on all those different sides within the club. It must be pleasing for you, someone who does specifically what you do, to be able to have them potentially all in the uh, in the same tent. Yeah, yeah. To be able to walk in uh, and into a facility where you see your your men's, your women's, your boys and your girls all in the same facility, um, that'll be something that we're certainly looking forward to. Because as an aspirational player, um, you've all played the game. To be able to go to training and see those people in the roles in the in the A-League women's and the A-League men's space and to aspire and be in the same facility as those uh, men and women, it gives them a real aspirational goal that they can aspire to with uh, with obviously them being in the forefront of uh, of the facility. And it's it's great that we can obviously house that. We're great that we'll be able to uh, be able to facilitate all of those um, those teams into one place. And um, I think it's just a great opportunity for us to really build that home and that that fortress that we're going to create in that precinct. And obviously, this is just the first step of the part of the precinct, and it's a great start for us. Uh, but it's obviously one part of a, a larger puzzle, which hopefully brings us to the, the ultimate uh, project, which um, when that does come to fruition, we're certainly going to be, I think, the leaders in not only the A-League space, but also in, in Australian sport once that is completed. Well, if people haven't seen the renders for it, they're actually really exciting. And I was uh, quite impressed with the the ingenious design of the whole thing, the efficiency of the whole thing, because it's this two-story building that's going to be, you know, the office, the gym, all of the inside indoor facilities for, for the club. And then as part of that building, it sort of backs onto the, this sloped grandstand, which is a really cool design and I think is a, is a real space saver in this precinct that you're developing. 
Yeah, no doubt. I think that the ones that those who have designed the, the facility have certainly taken that into consideration and really making it something that feels like a, a fortress and a home and a difficult place for opposition clubs mm. to come to. And that's certainly what we would like uh, from a football sense, um, but a place that we can also be also call home and obviously a place that we can make it a real cauldron for our fans when they get to come to their one venue that they come to each year at the moment we're making it uh, probably a little bit difficult for our fans who have been fantastic in traveling with us across the nation um, to ensure that they're obviously coming to our home matches but we now get to bring that to a home in their heartland in our heartland in our catchment area so um, this is a facility that will cater for not only I guess us from a football sense but also our fans and our and our community. Speaking of, I guess, the trials and tribulations that the club has gone through, you've been in this role for just over 18 months now, I believe. Uh, what, what's been the journey to, to get to this point with this facility finally turning soil and, and starting construction? Yeah, there's no doubt been a lot of hard work, like we mentioned earlier in the piece around obviously getting to this point. Um, I think, as we mentioned earlier as well, no doubt the pandemic has played a, mm. a significant part in stop starting um, this particular uh, project. The fact that we can get it underway um, in 2022 is, is, is a testament to all the hard work that um, a number of people have put in to get to this point. And like I said, it's one part of the puzzle, but it's an important part, especially from a football sense. Um, we're quite fortunate to be able to be in the place where we are now at the hangar. The facilities that we have mm. are fantastic and second to none for a professional and elite sporting team. But to be able to go back to a place that you can call home mm. and branded black, green, uh, and it's, it's Western United and it's home. Uh, I don't think you can obviously uh, replicate anything like that. So uh, from that end, that, that, that'll be something that we're certainly looking forward to. Yeah, to have a permanent fixture right in the, the heart of that catchment area. I think, that, I think that's something that doesn't just excite Western United fans who are watching, watching this show, but I think it would excite fans of, of probably any club in the league to have that permanent piece of infrastructure. But um, Mal, I want to drill a little bit further down into your, uh, your role as obviously general manager of football. And you sort of mentioned uh, a little bit about the challenges that the pandemic and those sort of things have thrown up in the development of the stadium. But it's also had a pretty big impact on the actual A-League men's season itself because, you know, games have been, you know, flying around left, right and centre, moved into new places. It's had to be a, a time where, you know, operational stuff like yourself have had to be very agile. Um, how have you and your team managed this sort of, hectic uh, A-League men's campaign that's been been thrown up at you? Yeah, it certainly has been hectic for, for many reasons and it, it impacts everyone across the board. I think one of the first things and what's enabled us to adapt uh, best this season is once we came into pre-season, we sat down with the playing group and the football staff and uh, we weren't going to shy away from the back end of last season where we really probably struggled when things did go a little pear-shaped because of COVID uh, and we really didn't really adapt that well. Uh, I guess one of the first things we wanted to change at our football club was the ability to remove the no excuses um, policy that we wanted to implement here as part of our cultural shift and change. And that was something that we addressed with John and the broader group from day one when we entered pre-season. We spoke to the club, uh, we spoke to the players, sorry, uh, and the coaching staff, and we all agreed that uh, we knew that there were going to be some changes and there were going to be some impacts on our fixture uh, and the calendar this year. But we, we said we would adapt and we would not use any excuse um, to obviously impact our performance. And um, credit to our football department and our staff and our players. Uh, they've certainly taken that on board and driven that message throughout the course of the season. And I think that's really held us in good stead. Uh, it's really held us in good stead in respect to the fact that we've started really well. Uh, we've adapted to change really well. Um, and our guys have been fantastic, led by our captain and our vice captain, but also driven by our head coach and the broader football department. So... 
I think that the cultural shift and change in trying to make no excuses has really uh, had an impact. It allowed us to obviously perform at the highest level, hopefully go a little further than that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what stood out to me has been, I guess, the mental strength that the players have shown this season in a really testing environment at times. Uh, there have been certain results that are, have been ground out this year uh, under testing conditions with players unavailable and so forth. Um that I don't know that the club would have been able to hold on to in, in previous years. It, it seems like, I mean, every player we speak to talks about how tightly knit the group is and how positive everybody is. And I, and I guess that comes back to the um, what, what you spoke about earlier about the resilience and, and not using anything as an excuse. Yeah, we've got a really strong group in respect to the fact that they really buy into our team culture and team charter that we've created. We have a we have a, we have a team charter that we we basically mm. send around to every new player that comes to this football club, and they really understand the values, beliefs, and behaviours that we'd expect from Western United Football Club employees. Um, everyone has really bought into that, and we expect our football staff and our and our leaders to drive that. Uh, and they have been fantastic in doing so. So I think that um, certainly goes hand in hand in respect to understanding the results that we've been able to, uh, I guess, hold on to this year. Just a bit of a patchy Zoom call, unfortunately. It's so annoying because he was getting into some really interesting territory there, a team yeah. charter. Yeah, that's I, I have not heard um, of it. We've got a resident group. We've, we've, we've held out a number of 1-0 results and... Uh, Sorry, Jen, so uh, is that cutting out, is it? Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, you were talking about the team charter and, and holding out a number of 1-0 results. That's where we, we cut off. Yeah, apologies. So we've been able to obviously hold out a number of 1-0 results, but I think it comes down to, no doubt, the, the, the resilience of the group and the behaviours and values of what we'd expect from West United Football Club players. The ability for us to actually hold on to those results, I think, comes down to the values and, and what we live on a day-to-day -day basis. And uh we're really hard to, to beat, and we've shown that this season that it's very difficult to to uh, to concede uh, goals against Western United Football Club, and we've really made it a really difficult, um, I guess, for our opponents to actually get back in the game once we obviously take a 1-0 lead. So that's something that's been new to what we've created this season under the guidance of John and our broader group, and, and John and Foxy have certainly added a, a great value in that sense. Um, but we've got a group of players, and we've added some players with a, a fantastic amount of experience and a good balance of youth that we've seen, I guess, both players in, in, in both the youth and the, and the senior level uh, being able to adapt quite well to the new style of football that John has tried to implement at our club. But um, we've shown in recent weeks that we're, we're not only a club that can hold on to one their wins, we're, we've been able to score a number of goals and we're hopefully at some point um, not too far away from, from being comfortable winners. So I think from time to time we've shown that we're more than capable of, of scoring goals and uh, over the weekend, obviously against Brisbane Royal, we did score five goals. Unfortunately, two of them were ruled out uh, for, for offside. But uh, we're certainly, hopefully, going to be able to add something to that mix. Understanding we've also had a number of players out through injury, so uh, we've been really happy with the with the group thus far. We're really happy with where we're at at this point in time. Understanding we've got, you know, just seven home and away games before uh, final series football. Yeah, and it's I think it's something that's it's very clear that 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 culture and mentality is really at the forefront of players' minds. I mean, every every player that we've had the privilege of speaking to, Josh, um, mentions that dressing room culture is such a big part of why they're so committed to Western United. And uh, as someone like yourself, Mel, who's you know responsible for shaping that squad, it must be like a, a real double positive in the sense that it 
it's lifting the the team's performances now, but also looking ahead to the future in terms of you know keeping a squad together, adding new adding new pieces into that squad as well. To be able to say you've got that mentality that um people do genuinely want to buy into must be um, something that really really helps you out. Yeah, we're really proud of the squad that we've put together this year. We've made a number of changes the, uh, uh, over the course of the preseason. Um, we've turned over a few players this year, but we we, we were strategic in our approach to do so and the players that we did bring in were certainly ones that we thought of not only just as footballers but as people and would they buy into the culture and the uh, and the values and behaviors that we're trying to create here at the club and I think that's really important and that's something that we've really focused on in respect to our recruitment making sure not only we're bringing the right players we've got to bring the right people and I think that goes a long way because uh, in essence you can have a talented squad of players but if, if they're not buying into uh, a strong culture that we're trying to create um, I don't think it's going to work and we've, we've certainly been able to work on the, uh, the other side of that and stroke focus very heavily on our, our culture side of things and it's fantastic to note that obviously the players that are coming in here are, are saying the exact same mm-hmm. thing which is great obviously that's it's entrenched into their uh, day-to-day operations and what they're thinking as well so it's fantastic to know that obviously that's something that um, they've really noticed in, in in the big change over the course of the last 24 months. Yeah and it, it's clear that you've hit hit the marks I think with a lot of those signings and particularly the the visa players obviously you know we know how good of a season Leo has had so far Rene starting to feature regularly in that squad and Previch once he built up his fitness as well has been had putting the goals away pretty mm. regularly um, how much credit do you take for the influence that those overseas signings have had on the team's performances this season and how does the process of actually bringing them into this club in the first place go about? Yeah, so you basically, at the end of the season, we, we and obviously now we've certainly been looking for next year and what our, um, I guess, where we need to add value in our squad. So um, at the end of last season, obviously with the changing coach, things do change a little as well. So with John coming in, he had a few views on what he thought we needed to do to help, obviously add to our squad. Um, one of those things was to make sure that we, we added value to our squad with the foreigners that we do bring in. So um, we worked pretty hard on ensuring that the three that we did bring in in Prijevic, Kryn, and also Leo were players that were going to add value in areas that we thought we had some deficiencies. So we lost a number of players in that uh, defensive half and we've placed, obviously, Leo with with, uh, with with players that were obviously moved on at the end of last season. And with thus far, Leo has shown that it, for me, he's been one of the more consistent performers in the A-League this season. Um, not only is he a fantastic football, but a great person as well, which is important. Uh, and he lives and dies by the values and behaviours that we'd expect from a Western United footballer. Um, and then you had Renee Crin, who's now starting to find his feet. He obviously had a challenging start in the initial, initial stages, um, but he's really starting to find his feet now. He stood up in the absence of Neil Kilkenny over the course of the last few weeks. Um, and Renee's really starting to obviously add some great value to us. And we know that um, what he's added thus far, he's still got another few levels to go until he gets the best of, of what we'd expect from someone like, uh, like Renee with the calibre and pedigree that he has. And then Alex is certainly finding his feet um, in the initial stages. Obviously, it took a bit of time to obviously come into the back end of our preseason. Um, he needed to find his feet in respect to his physical um, state, his ability to condition uh, and adapt to the new conditions of playing in the, uh, the A-League men's competition. Um, but you can really see the quality of Alex. He's a, he's a great finisher. Um, he's one that we feel can add great value to us. And um, I think the fact that uh, John and the broader group have been able to identify um, I guess these players and they've, they've worked quite well thus far has been fantastic for our success this season. Um, but not only just the foreigners, I think the others that we've added in, 
you know, Nikolai Topostami has been remarkable for us and um, and Neil Kilkenny have also, you know, fantastic acquisitions and uh, Ben Garuccio has been a, a fantastic player, but I think one player that's really added great value to us, it's almost like a new signing was Josh Riston. Mm-hmm. Um, and Josh has been fantastic for us this season. The fact that we didn't get much out of Josh last year due to his um, injury concerns, he's certainly been one that has, uh, has added great value to us as well. So I think we've found a good balance of obviously new and fresh players that have come in and added great value to the existing squad that we've already had. Um, and more, probably more importantly for us is, uh, is not only just this season, but the ability for us to add eight scholarship players through our academy program um, that really holds us in good stead, not only for this season, but for the next few years and identifying the next, um, the next crop of talent that are going to take us through to not only this season, but for the next few I'm glad you brought that up because it's a brilliant segue to talk about Adisu Bayou who scored on the weekend. And I mean, when that goal goes in, does does somebody pump their fist and, and tick off a, a KPI for their uh, their role this season? Is there is there a remit for how many scholarship players you need to get into the team and you, and you want to get on the score sheet or on the park? Yeah, I think it was a few of us pumping our fists when we uh, <laughs> when Adisu hit the back of the net. Uh, look, it's a it's a great story. This was a, a product of our academy, but also a product of the Western. Uh, catchment area of, of playing where he plays his football. He's mm. played all his football. Um, he's also lives in the in the area. Um, so for us, it's been a great real um, story for us to actually be able to elevate Adisil to a scholarship this season. Um, we're, and we're just delighted for the individual, the hard work that he's put in to get to this point. And hopefully uh, you like to see that rewarded. And on the weekend, obviously he started, um, he hit the back of the net and uh, we hopefully think that's great things for, for this one moving forward. And there's obviously a number of scholarship mm-hmm. players that appear on our, our start list each week. And we're hoping that obviously those players get more and more game time over the course of the next few years. But um, yeah, that's something that's certainly part and parcel of bringing in Anthony Frost to continue to develop our academy system and produce players from our catchment area. And hopefully there's an opportunity for a number of other players to progress through our system and hopefully become first team footballers for Western United Football Club in the long term. Yeah, well, I think there w- certainly were plenty of uh, fist bumps, Josh. Not least, and this wasn't for KPI reasons, but but from uh, media manager Lucy Jones as well, who's I know is a big proponent of a of a Disubey winner <laughs> when he's out there in the park. So, I think uh, we're we're card carrying members of the Disubey well, fan club. I feel like as most well. people are in a way. Most people are in a he's way. But so fun to watch. Um, now, obviously, we've spoken a lot about the culture in the senior team, and and as you bring up, you know, um, Anthony Frost and and that academy side as well. It, you know, obviously you've got to focus obviously on the senior side and what they're doing across the A-League men's season. Um, but you've also got to try and instill that culture throughout the academy side too and, and in the women's program as well. What is the key for you to to getting that consistency of, of culture and approach across all of the teams you've got? He loves suspense, doesn't he? Suspenseful really zoom delay yeah, here. He's back. He's back. Really important for us. Sorry, gents, I'm not sure what's happening. All good. You just got us on tenor hooks. It's it's great. (laughs) Um, Apologies. I think, look, the consistency across all our programs is really important. I guess one of the uh, key attributes of my job is to ensure that we can instill the team culture and uh, values and behaviours across not only our men's program, but across all our programs. So um, Anthony Frost will come in into that academy role and he'll adopt the same principles and values and behaviours that we'd accept and expect from every employee across Western United Football Club. So that filters through to our academy, that filters through to our women's football um, department. And we want to make sure that there's a natural progression and consistency across all of our programs. So that team charter that we talk about 
and those values and behaviours that we talk about are something that we instill across all our programs. So um, across our academy, that's extremely important. Um, so when there's a natural progression of players moving from our academy into our first team, uh, the step up from academy to first team is hopefully not as big as what uh, it is in Australian football at the moment. So we want to make sure we bridge that gap and not only just about expectations um, and what we expect from people on the field, it's also what we expect from them off the field. So hopefully that's something that we can continue Continue to do. I feel like I should start preempting. Yeah. <laughs> we've, you know, we've started to finish it's each other's sentences. So we've gone to no to well. And hopefully over the course of the next, next few years. <laughs> we there, Jen? Sorry about that. Yes. We're back. We're All back. Good. <laughs> I think we got the gist of that. So last one from us, uh, as we, we desperately hope that the Wi-Fi clings on, uh, is how closely are you going to be paying attention to Calder United versus Box Hill this weekend, their mm. first game of the MPLW season? We know about the partnership uh, between Calder, an incredibly successful women's side at, at state level in Victoria and Western United. We know it's no secret that Western United are looking to expand the program and have a senior women's team before long. Uh, they're kicking off their season this Friday. I assume you'll be tuning in? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great opportunity for our girls to once again kick off their MPL season. Um, we're delighted for them and what they've done in the, in the MPL space over the course of a number of years now. Um, this is really the platform for our Calder women to ultimately build, uh, I guess, what we be, believe to be a foundation of our A-League women's side. So um, it's a great opportunity for the girls that are involved in that program to to really give their, their, their best in front of Mark Torcaso, the head coach there, to show that they're more than capable to take the next step, hopefully, into our A-League women's program. So we're quite delighted with the partnership with Calder. Um, it's given us an opportunity to not only just broaden our base as a, as a football club to ensure that you know, we, we, we make sure we're providing opportunities for both boys and girls, men's and women. So hopefully uh, this weekend is the start of another successful season for Calder uh, and hopefully an opportunity for us to continue to broaden our base as a football club. Well, they're playing against Box Hill United at Wembley Park this Friday night, 7.30pm kickoff. And, uh, Lockie, we're both big proponents of, uh, of visiting Wembley Park as an away trip. It's a good ground Absolutely. to watch football. They do a sensational Sivlaki. So no reason for uh, for Western United fans to avoid that one. Get down and, and, and support Calder. Absolutely. Uh, the, the MPL women's um, competition will obviously start this weekend. Our Academy MPL three boys have had a fantastic start to their season. Um, both the 21s and the 23s uh, have won both their first two games as well. Um, so we'd encourage, obviously, everyone to go out and not only watch the, the, the MPL girls at, uh, at Calder, but also the MPL boys uh, this weekend, where they also play on Sunday against Melbourne City. So that'll be a fantastic game as well. Well, that's sandwiched pretty nicely, uh, the men's game, I should say, because we've got women's on Friday night at Box Hill. We've got the men playing in Ballarat against Central Coast Mariners. That's a 2 p.m. kickoff. And then, as you say... The juniors, the uh, the academy side on Sunday. You could have a full a Western United weekend. weekend to be a Western United fan. That's for sure. No reason not to get to all three. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, if if we have Western United fans who make it to all three games, I think we should include them on the show next yep. week. Just to let us know. Just we'll to give us a recap out. of the entire weekend. 100%. This is a shout out to the Western United diehards. If you make it to all three games, and we expect photographic evidence, take a selfie at all three games. You get on the show. No questions asked. Can I make that executive yeah, I'm, decision? Yeah, I'm, I'm capable of that. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Lucy will be fine with that. Mal, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Congratulations on the new regional football facility, Turning Soil in, uh, in Tarnit. That one's going to be done by next year, we hear. 
Yeah, May 2023. So we're certainly looking forward to that. So the start of pre-season in 2023-24, uh, we'll, we'll be in our new facilities. So we're looking forward to that. Western United will have a home to call its own. Exciting times, Lucky. Lovely. We'll take a short break. We've got Nikolai Topor Stanley, the record-breaking A-League legend, joining us on the other side. So stick around here on The Green Room, presented by Simmons Homes. Western United, can they find something here? Big chance, Barisha! He's done it again! And it's a goal! Unbelievable! What about this? Dylan Barrios, his first touch of the game. Sanchez! Western United do claim the three points. And Diamante again! Oh, he's done it! Twice! He's chipped a keeper! Presented by Simmons, it's the Green Room on FNR. Football Nation Radio. We will have the milestone man joining us in a moment. Nikolai Topor Stanley breaking an A-League record this weekend as the club take on Central Coast Mariners at Mars Stadium in Ballarat. You've spent a bit of time in Ballarat recently, Lockie. Oh, I can't, can't keep away from Ballarat. I was there yesterday. <laughs> I'm gen- no, that's not even a joke. I was genuinely in Ballarat yesterday. There you go. Um, yeah, I did uh, did the NPL Victoria on the weekend. I saw Western United play their previous game up in Ballarat mm-hmm. uh, last month. Great time. Did you can, you Good can away go- trip? It's an excellent... Uh, it's well, an, it's a home trip, I guess. But it's an excellent it, home trip Home away me. from home trip. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a home away from home trip as well, actually. But um, you can go there, you can learn about a whole bunch of stuff, like the rich history of Ballarat, and you can watch football as well. Like There's there's no complaints. You, you find any gold? It's a great... I'm just going to say, say as well, it's a great drive up to Ballarat. Like, some people, like, if you're... Obviously, if you're in the West, it's, it's not as long. It's no. probably only an hour, a little bit over an hour. If you live... In South Yarra, like me, it's an hour and forty minutes. But the yeah. actual drive out to Ballarat—I don't know what the name of the of the freeway is—but it's beautiful. You come through a just lovely uh, mountain range. You see Cryo Castle when you're on your way to Ballarat. <laughs> it's it's great. It is a great day, a great day. And the football was uh, isn't half bad either. We can't wait for it, especially when Western United are in this kind of goal scoring form. A madcap three two win over Brisbane Raw on the weekend. There's a red card, there's penalties, two disallowed goals. It was all happening. Do you reckon three two is the best scoreline in football? I reckon it's my favourite. I can't I tell you why. So. I think four three starts to become a little bit shambolic, a little bit like you know, <laughs> you get into like state of the league, like mm. oh, this is just too much. No, no, the defence is. It's a... not that. It's it's usually usually there's an element of slapstick comedy when it gets to four three. Right. Yeah. Whereas okay. three two really seems like the perfect football well, scoreline. As, as as Mal was uh, as Mal was telling us when we spoke to him before, but for those two disallowed goals, this game could have very easily ended five <laughs> two. Exactly. Uh, Alexander Prijevic scoring what proved to be the decisive strike on the 83-minute mark for a penalty from Jay O'Shea. Uh, pulled one back for Brisbane. Uh, early goals from Juan Lescano for Brisbane after three minutes. Yeah, and that um, was... But uh, Adisu Bayou and a Scott Neville own goal putting Western United in the lead. So it was it was up and down all over the place. Jordan Holmes uh, of Brisbane getting the red card, goalkeeper. So... Uh, it was it was quite an eventful match. What was your uh, your impression of it? Well, I think it was a good I think it was a good test of character for for mm. Western United in many respects. Obviously, they've had plenty of challenges come towards in this season, but to go behind so early in the way that they did, it was a bit of a you know a defensive mix up as Brisbane brought a um a pretty a pretty staunch press, which you know um a lot of A League sides in this you know 
in the comp don't they don't tend to do it. So that was a huge difference. They were able to to bring it back into you know a level game and then push ahead. And then once they're up to three one, they could sit a little bit easier. But the late penalty meant that even then they had to sort of defend against five or seven minutes of you know pretty significant rearguard action as Raw tried to salvage a point. But credit to them, they were you know challenged in two different ways. Obviously the late penalty and the uh, going behind early, and and they passed both of those with flying colours. And it was a great great game, not least because Alex Previch scored a lovely goal, sort of. Mm flicking the ball on over the top of the keeper with his back to goal. But uh, I love also, a backwards header. It's great. It's a great skill. And it would have been my favourite goal, but for the fact uh, that the other goal, or the other headed goal for the game, uh, scored by Disubeu. It's a, if it's a mm. Disu scoring, it's got to be the best goal uh, of the game. We're biased. What can you say? We are. But, um, yeah, a great three points away, and uh, I think I can see them getting another three points against the Mariners. I think that one might have, uh, mm. have goals in it as well, actually. What have you made of Rene Crahin's recent impact in the squad? Obviously, replacing uh, Neil Kilkenny, who's an, a vitally important player in the team. Uh, we hadn't seen much of him early because he just hadn't played football in so long. Mm. Is he starting to to prove his worth and and you know the pedigree that we know he has? I do. I think I think he's really gone from from strength to strength. Like I think, and the other thing that I've really liked mm. about it all is it's clear how happy everyone at the club is to see him playing more and more. Like I've, I've asked um, John Aloisi personally a few questions about Rene as he's built up his match minutes from game to game. And you can see that he knows what kind of player he's got in his hands. And as those minutes build up, we're starting to see more and more of what that player actually is. And, you know, sitting in that, that base of midfield, we saw him play drop into a center back role against Melbourne victory, where they had a lot of defending work to do. And he looked very comfortable in that position. He's played there before, but the thing that stood out to me the most about Rene is that he tries a lot of things that I don't think your average A-League midfielder would, would bother with. Kind of in the in the way that, you know, obviously mm. Diamante, we know he's got an eye for a pass and does things that you don't necessarily expect. I think Rene is capable of, of, of doing that with, um, you know, not necessarily with the same amount of regularity, but he's certainly got it in his locker. I remember one of his first touches against the Newcastle Jets in Ballarat. The ball came back to him and he did this chipping like 30 first time 30 yard pass that went backwards to the to the fullback it was just like no one else on the pitch was thinking about <laughs> it but Rene was and it was very impressive glad to see that he's um coming into the fold and he's as Mal said still got more to give you always know you're getting a bit of European uh experience and quality when you've got the sort of headband long hair combination I think that's like a classic oh, yeah. of your Eastern European central midfielder that's, that's the kind a, of play who if I came up against him on a Sunday if someone looked like that I'd be like oh I'm gonna <laughs> get megged at least three times here today well speaking of players with pedigree and experience we've got the record breaker here with us he will make his 359th A-League appearance on the weekend against the Central Coast Mariners uh, to become the most capped player in the A-League of all time. Nikolai Topol-Stanley, welcome to the Green Room. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's our pleasure, mate. Uh, what does this milestone mean to you? Has it sunk in? Um, I mean, yes and no. Like, I, uh, yeah, I've been, I guess, it's been brought up a few times, especially since I made my uh, 350th appearance uh you know, those few weeks ago, but, um, you know, um, I guess I've been taking it step by step and just, 
kind of putting the team first and like performances first. You know, we we're, we need three points. We want to finish as high as we can in the regular season going and have a you know, having some good form going to finals. So obviously it feels nice to be, um, I guess, recognised and uh, been shown some love, so to speak. But um, look, it's, uh, yeah, I've said it many a time, you know, I play the game to, to win championships and um, although individual uh, accolades are, I guess, I guess nice and uh, a bit of a pat on the back, it's, um, it's not what I play the game for. Well, I think that's the, the sort of mentality that's uh, served you so well over all these years uh, in the A-League. Uh, but surely when you think back to when you were starting out at Belconnen or, or Manly United or even when you got your first crack with Sydney FC, you never expected to to go this long and, and be this consistent. Yeah, I mean, I'd be lying to say if I did. I mean, I was, I was never a precocious talent or <laughs> earmarked for greatness, you know, like from a young age. I've always had to really work hard. Um, and earn and graft everything that I've ever, you know, achieved. Mm. So, um, look, it's uh, yeah, it's been it's been a long time, but it's gone very quickly. You know, I can I can remember yesterday mm. when I, I I literally made my debut for for Sydney, and um, it's kind of gone in a blink of an eye. Your debut for Sydney. Can you say you remember it? It what anything specific come back to you from from that day? Any words of wisdom that you were given by more experienced players, or the feeling of walking out onto the pitch? Anything like that? Um, I think I was just told to, you know, be myself and um, relax into the game and not to, you know, be too nervous because they probably can see it on my face. Um, but you know, having. Uh, you know, I guess being in the position of a senior player now and seeing a lot of young boys go through it, you know, it's, um, yeah, there's a flood of emotions that's going on, you know, that you're, you're proud, you're, you're worried, you're excited, you're, you know, there's all sorts of, of, of thoughts going in, into your head. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I remember it because, um, you know, it was a very proud moment for me and my family to, you know, play senior professional football in, in Australia. Is there anything that you wish you knew then that you know now as a pro? Is there anything that you you would pass on to uh, you know a player making their debut, say like a Ben Collins, or for example, at Western United? Oh, look, there's plenty, but um, unless you've been through it, it doesn't really resonate. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> like you can you can speak, you know, and pass on all the gems that you want to. Um or the do's and don'ts and, you know, just do this, just do that. But unless you have that experience under your belt, it doesn't really count um, because, you know, at the end of the day, it is just words and you really have to, you know, have the trials and tribulations. You have to have come back from heartbreak. You have to experience the highs, you know, all these things to, I guess, fully you know, and capture what it means and what it means to the individual. So, um, but yeah, I mean, if I could go back knowing what I did now, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'd be far better off for it. <laughs> well, you, you talked, you described yourself as a, as a player who's had to work really hard to, you know, um, enjoy the amount of time, you know, playing the game and, and being across all these different A-League clubs that you have. Um, in terms of, of, getting that longevity and being able to 
put out as many games. One of the things, and I'm going to ask you another question about him later, but uh, that Andrew Durante mentioned when he talked about his ability to, to pump out games in multiple seasons was how much of a focus he's putting or he put into hard work, not just on the pitch, but also off the pitch in terms of looking after his body and doing all those kind of extra one percenters to maximize your chance of being available for the next game. Is that something that's it's been a part of uh, of your playing career as well? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, I get told all the time that, you know, you finish football training and, you know, you, you come out of there at 12.30 or whatever time it is, depending on what club. Sometimes you finish earlier than that. Um, I used to eat lunch in Newcastle at about 11.30. That was nice. But, you know, the day doesn't stop there. You, you're always thinking, okay, should I should or shouldn't I do this? Um, what should I be putting in my mouth? How much sleep I should be getting? Um, you know, should I be out in the sun for too long? Um, I mean, you, you don't have to think about it, but I realise that if you don't, you get yourself in trouble. <laughs> You know, and you and you you kind of connect the dots when you're not feeling great for training the next day, and you're like, oh, well, yeah, I was at the beach for two hours, and you know, in 32 degree weather, and you know, um, you know, I got a bit of sunstruck. <laughs> um, but you know, there's just these these things that you have to think about that um, that make a difference on the training field, whether you know you are at your best or not, and. I guess I made myself a promise um, that I would do everything I could to be the best that I could every day and not just come the weekend. And I think, um, you know, obviously it's, it's not, oh, you don't get it right hundred percent of the time and there's never a perfect, um, I guess, recipe, but, you know, just, you know, that, that, that slight increase in, I guess, awareness has uh, held me in good stead. Have you become more in tune with your your body and knowing when you have a bit of a niggle or knowing you know when you need to push yourself harder and so forth over the over the years have you become more I guess aware of of what you you need to prepare for a game? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that comes with experience and knowing, I guess, training loads and the mm. the, the way a season is going to pan out and you know you've seen things before and you go, okay, well I should be doing this or I shouldn't be. But, you know, I've also um, studied uh, sports and exercise science and I'm actually doing my master's now in strength and conditioning. So wow. that's given me a lot of, I guess, background knowledge and um, info to, I guess, serve me well. And, yeah, it's kind of given me a appreciation of all the planning and things that go into training. That it's not just uh, by chance that we're doing certain things and, why I'm doing certain exercises and why I should be doing them a certain way where, yeah, before I studied, you know, it was, you often question yourself or you go through the motions, you know, not, not going through the motions, you're still doing it, but there's a Mm. certain, a different emphasis now that I know the theory behind why, what we're doing. Mm. That's really interesting. I, I, I guess, you know, you take the, uh, the reminders from the sort of strength and conditioning staff a, a bit more seriously when you know why they're insisting upon and you actually understand the science behind, you know, why you need mm. to do this session with the fo- foam roller or why you need to take the ice bath, et cetera, and so on. Yeah, exactly. It means it could be the difference between, you know, staying in the ice bath for 10 minutes or eight minutes. You know, it's 
you know, a lot of people go, oh, I'm, at, I'm out at five. And I'm like, well, according to so-and-so, you know, <laughs> you should be in here for 10. According to page only... 359. <laughs> right. So, you know, and whether that makes, you know, the difference to the individual or not. But, you know, that's just one example of many that I can, mm-hmm. you know, I could, I could rattle off that, you know, I, what in theory is supposed to be best practice, you know, um, you know, I'm trying to, you know, uh, I guess model myself and hopefully I can pass that on to, to, um, you know, other younger players that, you know, it's not just the coach telling you, it's also a senior player. Mm. I mean, I, I, I'm, from listening to you, Nikolai, it sounds like you're a, a big fan of the uh, the concept of marginal gains and uh, doing all those little little one percent things. And obviously, I think with all of those, you know, the regularity with which you've played games this season, I think there's there's still more football to come for you in in the next few seasons. But with that degree and and potentially the masters, is it something that you've taken on board just to assist your you know development and longevity as a player, or is it something that exercise and sports science that you'd maybe want to lean a bit more into uh, post-playing post days? Yeah, it was, I guess the reason why I took it up in the first place was a combination of those two, right? Like I, I, I saw the advantage of, you know, actually having some formal knowledge to the, instead of just um, what you think, you know, and all, um, and also I thought, okay, this might be a future into how to stay into sport and because obviously I've been involved in my whole life and um, that could be a future proposition for me. But um, yeah, I mean, as I said, I still feel great. Um, the mind more importantly also feels good because often, um, you know, that can be also a factor that people just mm. don't have the the willingness to put themselves through, you know, sacrifice physically and mentally away from families and, you know, all the things that come with professional sport, um, you know, they don't want to do a whole nother round of it. So, um, yeah, we'll see what the future holds there. Mm. Well, it's interesting that you bring up that, that mental mental side of things because we've spoken a lot on this program about the strength of the of the Western United dressing room. Is, is that something that, you know, that mental toughness and um, stability, is that something you think as you stepped into this new dressing room environment is sort of, consistent amongst the playing squad this season how have you found your involvement in all of that oh look it's uh it's also easy to point to that when we're getting results right um Mm. i think but now we do have seasoned campaigners that know how to win games you know neil kilkenny um is is one but the coaching staff also brought in a no excuse mentality from day one it's you know there wasn't a you know, where um, it's as a building year, it's where we're here to achieve. And that's not a promise of achieving, but it's a promise to commit to excellence. And, um, you know, they don't, uh, they certainly don't, um, well, they, they drive a hard bargain, put it that way. You know, they're, they're, they're not letting up whether we win or lose. It's always looking for the finest of margins to, to get better. Um, win or lose, which, you know, I've, yeah, in my time, I've, I've seen people do that well, and I've seen people not do that, do that not so well. And uh, you can, you know, stay at a consistent level of, um, I guess, pushing the group, but not too far. Um, you know, 
most people respond well to that. You, you described yourself earlier as, as a player who, who was, wasn't tipped for greatness and, and you sort of had to scrap and claw for everything that you've achieved in, in your career. Were, were there specific knocks on your, on your game, certain sort of myths you had to dispel through your performances? Were there perceptions that you had to challenge of, of who you were as a player and your, your limitations? Yeah, yeah, all the time. I, mean, I, I still, you know, I still uh, get some um, you know, people telling me how surprised that um, I actually can run. Um, <laughs> not just fast, just run. <laughs> They're like, oh, you're still running, you're still playing. Um, look, but that's, I guess that's part of sport, right? Like I've, uh, I'm thick skinned enough to know that, you know, even the best of players are going to have their critics, right? So I'm not immune and, um, that's part of the game. Um, when you're younger, you, I guess, take it more to heart and you, you want to prove them wrong. And it could be just one person, but that one person sticks out in the room, right? Because you, no one likes negative feedback, but I guess the older I've got, the, the less I've uh, put importance of, and not to sound harsh, but, you know, opinion of others that doesn't really matter to me. That's, um, you know, you, you, you want to be, I guess, liked and, um, but I know really what counts is my teammates opinion, um, my coaches and my family. Um, mm. and that's what I take to heart that, you know, if, if my son's not happy that I didn't pick up from school, you know, that's, I'm more concerned about that than, um, you know, any negative uh, feedback from outside sources or, uh, that's, uh, I don't mean to sound arrogant or rude about that, but I've kind of, um, yeah, just got to a stage where that's, you know, I, I can tune that out a little bit better. Well, you haven't really concerned yourself with, uh, you know, arguing with, with the haters, so to speak. But if, if it does come up again that you can't, you know, the myth that you can't run, I think you should just show them the clip of uh, that marauding assist in Tasmania for, uh, for Alex Priovich, was it? Went on a little adventure yeah. from centre back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm glad I could chip in for, um, you know, an assist, assist for the big man and he's, uh, he's doing well um, putting me in the back of the net. So long may I continue. Have I just stolen your question? No, 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 no. You've, like you've, I... you've triggered, you've triggered a, 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 you know, light bulb moment for me. I can't believe I didn't even think of this before. But speaking of uh, free-flowing running, Nikolai, when you scored a few weeks ago, we saw you some very elegant <laughs> strides in the, uh, the goal celebration, uh, launching a... Nice delivery with the uh, cricket bat, uh, cricket ball. Was that was that planned? Did that just was that a thing that came over you? Take take us through it. Yeah, it was absolutely no planning involved. It was just pure emotion, and then it came out in a fast bowl. So very fast bowl from the look of things. <laughs> what can I say? I mean, yeah, look, I was excited to to score a goal in in an uh, important match in a Melbourne derby, and yeah, I mean, I guess that. <laughs> it's just a reflection of of how excited I was. I can't tell you much more. I mean, there was. Uh, I think I said after the game, I didn't know what to do with my hands. So that's uh, that's pretty true. It's a, it's a problem that football football players often face. Yeah. You know, just, uh, what do what do you do with those hands? Did you did you play cricket growing up? Was that you know something that just came to you in the moment? Or? Never played competitively, um, but you know, down the nets with uh, with friends and socially at school you know things like that but yeah 
I honestly can't tell you why I did it. <laughs> I feel like it speaks to like the the cultural psyche of the average Australian. That as I saw you running in, you like changed your gait ever so slightly. It wasn't by much, and even before you'd actually done it, I remember sitting uh, in the stands looking at you, and going, "Is he about to like bowl a cricket ball right here? Like, is that what we're going to see?" And sure enough, sure enough, we got the uh, got the delivery as well. Um, Everyone in the in the stands just reflexively checking whether they were wearing their pads. You yeah. Know. <laughs> Well, at least you can say it wasn't boring. So. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> sure. No, we won't be forgetting that one that in a Absolutely, hurry. for sure. Um, you talk about, um, you know, how the, the work that you've put in um, and shutting out that external noise. It seems like you're maybe someone who, who leads by example. Obviously, we, we've seen you um, throw on the, the captain's armband a few times this season, you know, not least at, at the weekend against Brisbane. Are you – is that the, the way your leadership style works – with the um, playing group as well, just sort of showing them how best to do it by just going out and doing it yourself? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, uh, I think there's no better way of, of, I guess, setting an example, right, by your own actions because, you know, I can talk as much as I want, but if I'm not living up to my own expectations, it's a bit see-through. So, mm. yeah, I mean, you know, I want to walk the walk, right? Um, and if... Uh, players around me can see that at uh, the young old age of 37 that I'm I've still got the you know the pace bowl in me <laughs> and I've still got the excitement and I've still got the I guess willingness to to push myself every day then you know hopefully that rubs off a little bit looking ahead to this weekend's game uh, you'll have a, a prickly customer to mark in in Jason Cummings um, Marco Arena as well quite a intelligent player who drops between the lines that's a, a strike duo that uh, I imagine you know you'll be, you'll have prepared for quite thoroughly yeah I mean you know I think uh, the longer you go in the game the less you give importance to individuals and mm. um Clearly, they've got ability in those two individuals, but they've also got a lot of attacking threats in and strengths and, and weaknesses in other areas. But you know, we we don't get too bogged down in that. Um, we give them the respect they deserve, and but we'll also give them as much problems as they cause us. So, um, you know, there are minor details that might you know change here and there according to who you're playing, but the vast majority of preparation tactics, you know, stays the same. Um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, without going into explaining those, mm. those details in public, um, yeah, it's, uh, I guess it sounds like a bit of a cliche, but it is, it is what it is. It's, um, mm. you, we really, it's about repetition of the basics that we do well. And, I think that's reflective in our in our performances and um, you know in a in holding um, you know a bit steadfast this year. The wisdom that comes with 358 A League games, something else. Uh, Jason Cummings, we know uh, he tends to yap a little bit. He's uh, he's got the gift of the gab. He's even got a mouth tattooed on his hand. Do you participate in that kind of stuff at all? Uh, speaking of cricket, is there a bit of sledging behind play, or are you, uh, do you are you just you know not interested? Uh, a younger me would get a little bit caught up in it, and especially if it was a Dylan Wenzel Hall's you know, <laughs> playing, playing against him. He's got a lot to say, so 
Um, but yeah, I mean, now it's, I kind of laugh it off and I don't, I don't take it too, too seriously. And, um, but I guess we'll see, you know, it'll, um, yeah, if he does, it won't be boring. So that's, uh, that'll be, that'll be fun. Well, you have to understand him first, which will be the, the challenge, you know. It is. Uh, as someone who's got <laughs> Scottish relatives, I can tell you it's, it's a battle. It's a battle. Well, yeah, I've been, I've been coached by someone who has a thick Scottish accent and our CEO even even, uh, even thicker. So, you know, I've got a, a little bit of experience. Nice, nice. Uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this game. Uh, your teammates and the club will... I bet have something prepared pre-match, but uh, knowing you, one of the most down-to-earth characters in the league, you'll just be thinking about the three points. Yeah, I mean, for sure, it's uh, that's that's really all I'm thinking about, and yeah, it, it'll be nice to to be acknowledged, and um, you know, to, uh, I'm not sure what they're planning, but I know I'll be on the pitch afterwards with with my kids and my wife, so. Um, yeah, I mean, whatever it is, I'm sure it'll be nice and it'll be touching regardless of the result. But yeah, the for me, performance comes first and um, it'll be uh, even sweeter with three points. Well, I have it on pretty reliable authority. There's a very big congratulations on your 359th game card that's been ordered from uh, from Hallmark. The whole team's <laughs> going to sign it. So hopefully you're looking forward to uh, receiving that one along with the three points on the weekend. Nikolai, right. thank you so much for making the time to join us here on The Green Room. It's been fascinating to, to, uh, for you to share your insights with us and a lot of fun to learn about your fast bowling as well. <laughs> Cheers, guys. And that'll do us for The Green Room tonight, presented by Simmons Homes here on FNR Football Nation Radio. Get up to, uh, uh, to Mars Stadium on the weekend. Yeah. Lockie's recommended the drive. It's a it's a fun it's a one. Good, it's a it's a great one. I really really enjoy going to Ballarat, um, and I I might uh might have the little sojourn. I mean, it's back to back Ballarat mm. as well, so that's the beauty of it. Well, the full Western United weekend is is on offer. We spoke about it earlier. Calder playing on the Friday, Western United senior men on the Saturday, and then the MPL three academy side on the Sunday. So the offer stands. If you can make it to all three fixtures and send us photographic proof that you were there, I want a selfie at each of the grounds. Then, uh, you can you can be standing in front of this very microphone. You, I'll be booted out. Josh yeah, can stay. We'll kick Lockie out, and you can co-host the show next week. No, we'll get you on as a guest. That that offer stands. If uh, if anyone is mad enough to do that, but uh, we would love to see it. A big thank you to our guests, Mal Impiombardo, and of course Nikolai Topor Stanley. If you missed any of that, you can catch it on the FNR podcast platforms. But from us, until next week, it is goodbye for now. Western United, can they find something here? Big chance for Richard. He's done it again. And it's a goal. Unbelievable. What about this? Dylan Piraeus, his first touch of the game. Sanchez. Western United do claim the three points. And Diamante again. Oh, he's done it twice. He's chipped the keeper. Presented by Simmons. It's the green room on FNR, Football Nation Radio.